Now this is Hollywood Unlocked. What up, everybody? This is Jason Lee, and this is Hollywood Unlocked Uncensored. And I'm Alyssa Ford, a.k.a. The Curve Queen. Yup, it's DJ Damage. Let's get this show started. Oh, my God. I get uh, withdrawals when I'm not here, so I'm sure you did, too. Hopefully, you're listening <laughs> to us on iHeart. Yes. because. That's where the checks are coming from. Mm-hmm. You can also stream us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and watch The Recklessness on YouTube. I'm so happy to be alive. Talk yeah. about it. <laughs> There's nothing else to say. I'm happy to be alive. <laughs> I don't think, too. Listen, I um, spent the whole morning because I know Rick Ross is, is here. And no, it's not Rick Ross, the rapper. So I don't want people to say that it's the actual real Rick Ross. Mm-hmm. Watching his uh, documentary, mm-hmm. which, um, shit, took me back to Stockton. Mm-hmm. How? Have you seen the documentary? I have. What did it get? You know, I'm sure you didn't see that on the on the streets of Toronto. No, you're right. I (laughs) I did not. I did not. It just um, you know what it did for me watching the documentary. In all honesty, was you know there's there's things that happen in your life. You know when you're young and you don't have the ability to kind of process this, process them because it's above your maturity level or your understanding. And then as you get older and Mm -hmm. then you reflect back, you're like, oh, oh. Oh, I had several holy what the fuck moments watching the documentary. Well, I think it definitely provided a lot of context. Everybody's talking about yeah. Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump as if the government has never been fucked up. I learned a whole bunch more today. I think the the part that I found the most interesting was how during the whole Reagan era, drugs coming into the country. And then uh, don't forget... Uh, Nancy Reagan's whole platform was just say no. Yeah. I'm the fucking confused. Oh, I, I, I have it broken. I have it broken down, and it's super duper fucked up. So, damage. Uh, when you first heard of Rick Ross, it wasn't on an album, was it? No, I knew about Ricky Ross, um, the real one, for a long time. I mean, come on. <laughs> What's the real one? So we got a real one and a what? He's one? the real one. Okay. The guy we sitting down with today is the real Rick Ross. The reason why the rapper Rick Ross probably took into that name, even though he said he didn't, but. I knew about Rick Ross for a while, and I listened to a lot of his interviews. He's been going around, you know, telling his story. It's amazing how much money that dude has made on the streets. Right. So I hope he's kind of unbelievable. Well, I hope he brought a bag today because yeah. I, I was looking at it too. But um, it's interesting because I was born in '77, so I was raised in the '80s and the early '90s, mm-hmm. where crack really was permeating everywhere. And I, it was so funny, you now being in, living in Hollywood, and I'm like, is crack still available? Yeah. Who's smoking crack these days? The crack same is people. whack. The same people. <laughs> no, we're not going to, no, no, no. Hey, we're I not, didn't no, say nothing. We are not going to disrespect the fallen icon. <laughs> she said crack was whack. She didn't do crack. Huh? We are not going to disrespect a they fallen were her icon. Words. Right, but it was also her, she also said that was one of the, Whitney Houston is who we're talking about, mm-hmm. who, by the way, I produced her last living event where she performed, so I'm going to always have respect for the living queen. That, well, she's not. Let's just move right on. Mm. Shout out to Whitney Houston. Okay, and we're back with the real Rick Ross. That's what he called you, the real Rick Ross. The real Rick Ross. Yeah. That's who I, I don't is. mind that either. Yeah, that's his government. <laughs> that's his name. <laughs> I, I mean, I know, but there, there was some I was watching. So let's start with the documentary. I'm just going to go to the documentary and then work all the way back. Okay. Because I watched the documentary and I try not to watch too much, too many things. I can watch CNN. Uh, Good Morning America, Wendy Williams, and the Golden Girls. That's all I can really handle at this point. <laughs> but if anybody's yeah. listening to this interview, as soon as you're done, don't stop now. Go and watch the documentary. Crazy. Because, story. Because I think if, if there's ever a, a moment where somebody tells your story, they need to be able to tell it as elaborate as they told yours. So when you watch the, the documentary back, for people that don't know, what's the name of the documentary? The Freeway Crack in the System. <laughs> so when people... That if people that have they're listening now that have never watched this documentary, how would you describe it in a nutshell? Like, how would you sum it up? Well, this uh, this documentary basically is going to take you through the life of somebody that was dumb, stupid, 
no, I don't, no, no, no. He I, thought. He thought. Ignorant. Okay. That, no, wait. Let him finish. Wait. Ignorant. Ignorant. He thought he was. He thought he was. Okay. But he really was a genius. He was. So it's going to show you how we can get lost in believing one thing mm-hmm. that really isn't true. And not believing in another thing that's really true, but you don't believe that that's you. And I think that that's kind of like the story of the young black male in America today. <laughs> that's why they love me. Because so, so I'm telling their story. So, so, so the documentary, <laughs> they, they titled you, or you were titled then The King of Crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, I was, L.A. Times said I was the first crack millionaire in, in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they just been throwing titles and, and, and rhymes. I mean, after the CIA thing came out, you know, my story just went crazy. So, um, but they can call me that. I don't mind. So you, so when you think about that, because my mother, she's, she's deceased now, but she was on crack. She started in cocaine, went on to heroin. And eventually when the whole boom of crack was really, you know, deep in our communities, it, she, she became a, a, a um, addicted to crack. Well, I would call a crackhead. Mm-hmm. She had a crack baby. Um, so when you were, when I was watching the vid, when the, the documentary, I was trying to watch it through two separate lenses, right? The lens of one, a very brilliant entrepreneur, street entrepreneur yeah. who turned an opportunity into a massive empire. One, you say you were the first crack millionaire, but they also said you were estimated at worth a billion dollars at some point. Yeah, that's what the prosecutor said. I, and I didn't read the prosecutor report. <laughs> I ain't no snitch. Don't, don't come looking for me. Um, and then, you know, on the other side, it's like you were glorified for, you know, for basically what people would say nah, or someone would nah, say. No, nah, that ain't the case. Everybody. But someone, want, someone say, you people know. People believe that. See, just like I believe that I needed cocaine to be successful. Mm. See, I didn't think that I could make it without cocaine. So once I found out that I could make it out without cocaine, that it wasn't the cocaine, that I took the cocaine and made some out of the cocaine. Mm. Hmm. So, so you didn't think even when you had aspirations to do tennis and follow those passions, um, you, you didn't think you could be successful with just applying the same hard work and well, when, determination when played, to that? I quit playing tennis at 18. I, wanted, I did want to ask you about that just because um, – you know, you were you were an exceptional tennis player, you know, in high school. Yeah. Um, but unbeknownst to, and you see this in the documentary, unbeknownst mm-hmm. to everybody, you were illiterate. So, and so you had scholarship offers pouring in. I mean, you had Venus and Serena's father as a, as a mentor, um, but the scholarship offers dried up once everybody discovered your secret that you were yeah, illiterate. Yeah. I really just sat there thinking to myself, you know, how, how history could have been changed Absolutely. So dramatically, absolutely. If that wasn't the case, if you'd been able to pursue a tennis career, have you ever thought that to yourself? Like, and how do you think? Absolutely, that- absolutely. But 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 I also had to take in consideration: you're 18 years old. Your mom's when she worked as a janitor. Mm-hmm. You don't know your dad. Mm-hmm. Your heroes is Tookie Williams. So you're looking at all of your career options, you know, tennis is the best one. If mm-hmm. you can make it in tennis, mm-hmm. you're gonna be all right. But if you don't make it in tennis, you already know. It's on. Mm-hmm. You know, you may not live till you 22, 23. You know, I didn't think that I would be around, you know, 
and like I done cheated them out of out of some years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of young black men feel that way. Like they have aspirations to either rap, play basketball, play a sport, and maybe some other things. But they know at the end of the day what they really know how to do because that's what they see every day when they go outside. Like even me, I had you know I was doing good in school. I was DJing, but I already knew like. If this doesn't work out, society makes exact- us believe that, though. Exactly, society has 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 made us to believe that you're not smart. Don't don't think that we just picked this up that we we're not smart. This was 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 programmed into us for mm-hmm. years and years during slavery. First, they didn't want you to learn how to read, but our, our people was just so smart. I mean, we were working with metal before anybody in the world. Mm-hmm. The pyramids have metal in it, melted metal. They were melting metal back then. So we come from a great stock, but if they make the stock believe that it's not mm-hmm. what it really warfare. is, then you're you will be a crip. Mm-hmm. You can be a blood. You can be a drug dealer. You can sell dope to your uncles, your aunties, your sisters, your brothers. Mm-hmm. It it won't matter when you feel like that. When you when you have that mindset. When your mind is 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 twisted. Mm-hmm. You but, know what I'm saying? But I'll jump in and say, like for me, I was surrounded in Stockton <clears throat> around crack. My mama told you she was on drugs. My brother sold drugs, mm-hmm. um, and I was around all that. And I never, fe- and I actually have a conscious decision to not do crack. Not to, not to say I ain't never popped a pill. I'm just saying I've never done crack. I've never done any of the hard drugs that I've seen. You know, become addictive drugs for my parents and that my family is, you know, struggle from. So, what is it that was the switch in being as talented and as brilliant as you were as a kid and even though you were able to skate away everybody not knowing you were illiterate which i thought was a very powerful part of the whole um a documentary as well and then what was the switch to then say consciously if the system isn't going to work for me i'm not going to push through and fight to make it work i'm just going to go do something else well i, I kind of felt that cocaine was was fighting the system okay because what i knew is that rich white people was doing it mm-hmm and they didn't want black people to do it. Mm-hmm. So it was very expensive. You know, at that time, one gram of cocaine was like $300. So it was like an elitist party. At first. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So what I felt is that I was bringing some of that to my community, n- not knowing the addictive, because I, I don't know if you if you did your, your research on, on cocaine, but back in the days, actors used to have in their line uh, um, their rider, um, three grams of cocaine, please. Really? <laughs> Absolutely. And it was normalized. It, it was normal. Hollywood was doing it's it. It's still I mean, normal. Mm. Well, well, no. Well, not, I, saw, not, I saw somebody last night who I, I know she came and called me some whole different person. <laughs> I knew her ass was on something. I'm like, I'm interviewing Rick Ross tomorrow. I'm going to use your ass as a study guide. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because it became a problem when it got. Did it become a problem when it became monetize and became an actual business in our community or when we got access to it or when did it become a problem? Well, I mean, really, it's a problem from the beginning because once you start the fire, it's hard to put it out, mm-hmm. you know. So once once it, it fired up and for me, when I started to see the addictive uh, aspect of it because I didn't know it was addictive at first. I thought it was just like something Recreational. That, you know, when a guy get with his girl and they going out partying. Because I never used no drugs. I never smoked a cigarette, never took a drink. Ever. 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 That's what it, wow. that's what I was gonna ask you yeah. about. Like you know. Well, I take a drink now though. <laughs> <laughs> Once in a while. At what point in that journey did you start seeing the 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 social impact of what you were doing when you were younger? Because like you said at first 
you just thought it was recreational, people doing it to have fun. How long down the line did you start seeing the impact where people are dying in the streets, being you know, well, I, I ain't seen to nobody dying in the streets. I ain't never seen nobody hit the pipe in OD. Never saw that. Never heard you of it. You were kind of removed from it. But there was, there, was no. a, there was a point in the documentary where his partner said a 10-year-old boy came to the house looking yeah. for drugs because he was addicted. Mm-hmm. Which, I, again, I thought was really powerful because when I, in the process of writing my story and telling, you know, I was seven years old coming in and out my mom's house, people of this era, I don't think know or maybe understand or maybe they do I don't know of how in that time really kids were out here like we were in the streets so did you see that impact uh, I saw I saw young kids as, as young as 14 I haven't saw a 10 year old uh, involved um, you know I had some young guys that worked for me 14 and 15 mm-hmm. years old they they were perfectly capable of, of doing a grown man's job uh, but not 10 years old I hadn't I hadn't saw that no mm-hmm. so you were never able to see the impact of what was going on. Oh no, I stayed in. I I, I never left South Central. Okay, I've, I've lived in South Central literally all my life. Even when you had all the millions, mm-hmm. I still stayed in South Central. Shout out to Tiffany Haddish. So, she so still lives there too. She's none of it ever. I'm sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, I mean because I, I live in South Central right now. No, I'm just saying. Okay, so you know when you first start, you're doing it, and you don't you don't anticipate what's going to grow from that. Because no, not at all. So when was it down this journey? Did you start really seeing an impact? Like, wow, this is really changing the community. I grew probably up about in. three years after after I got started, but not it didn't change it for bad first okay it went great you know uh everybody's doing good uh, uh stores because when, when 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 cocaine money comes in don't just the drug dealers benefit from it mm-hmm. oh the liquor stores benefit the yep. car washes the clothes stores everybody starts to live off of this economy this money is being spread around because if you go to the car wash and you get your car washed and the car wash guy go and spend money so so it, what is, is happening is money is starting to swirl in these communities and that's why it was so hard for the cops to penetrate because the neighbors didn't want the cops to penetrate it, it took about four years before we started to see what we call crackheads mm. to where say for instance I, I've known people who have great jobs at that time you, you had a thousand dollar a week job was, was a great job um and they would say, well, you know what? I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to start selling crack full time. But he's smoking crack. Yeah. And what would happen is he would eventually um, go all the way down to where, you know, he got kicked out the house. You know, the family lost the house or so forth. And that's usually what I saw. And it would be the same thing with women where they would go from um, casual, hidden, until next thing you know they standing on the corner. Um but I saw that. Well, the propaganda of the, you know, the war on drugs must was powerful. I'm I'm Canadian, so I was born and raised in Toronto, and I remember, you know, Jason and I grew up in, you know, we were kids in the '80s, so I it was my television set. So Reagan was like this mythical creature, like <laughs> mythical person to me, you know, and just I. Just, uh, his I, wife had a just say no uh, program. Uh, we no, need no, to no, get no. into that. Listen, no, we're gonna get into that because that commercial still resonates with me. Like it's a frying pan and an egg. This is your this is your brain. Yeah, the frying pan yeah. and crack the egg and it's simmering. This is your <laughs> brain on drugs. They, you had, know? they had me tying red ribbons on the fence. I'm upset I, today. I know. Mm-hmm. I I know. After learning what we what we did, but I mean, so it just looked like South Central literally looked like a, a war zone to us you know from the outside looking yeah, in yeah. It just, I mean it, at times it, it at times it was yeah. you know um, I've, I've literally sit in cars and two cars are driving 
chasing each other, shooting out the windows. I mean, you know, it's it's South Central. You know, um, gangs everywhere. You one, know, one thing that I find fascinating about you is just how you know affable you are. You know, and how people just seem. What does to, affable what mean? mean? Nobody Listen, knows what the fuck Mr. that Le- means. No, no, no. I don't know, and he, nobody listening he, knows what affable is. You put an L in front of okay, it, I'm it's what I do word. for a living. Gre- gregarious, okay? Likeable. Likeable. There we go. I like that. I know. We could have a conversation because, you know, literacy is my thing, too. Unfortunately. Um, but, shut up. But what I, what I find really interesting is, you know, how you spent years educating yourself, you know, becoming literate, not just yeah. literate, promoting literacy. Yeah. And with that kind of, you know, um, with that kind of, you know, new information and, you know, it, it, the Makes power you dangerous, but also the power of reflection. You know, how have you reconciled, you know, the the responsibility that you somebody might say that you have towards like, you know, the decimation of, of communities, your community? Well, well that, that's a tough one. Right. And, and I've dealt with that question a few times. Mm-hmm. Um but the way I look at it is, if you start to place blame, mm-hmm. then you have to go to first me, then you gotta go to the guy that taught me, mm-hmm. and then you gotta go to the guy that taught him, mm-hmm. and, and you just keep going down the line mm-hmm. if, you, if you place and blame. I'm more with solutions. Right. See, if there would've been jobs mm-hmm. and opportunity I never would have sold crack. Exactly. Right. But don't you think that's a cop out for some people? Some people would say, "Oh, I can't find a job. I can't, like I couldn't find a job. I created Hollywood on my." Some people, if you can't find it, you create it. And I think I think that's real to a certain degree. But don't you think that some people take that as an easy out? Like, okay, can't find that, so here I go. Well, I don't know because I mean it's so much that can go into that as well. You know, you have to start to to research each and every person. You know, what have they been through? to make them feel the way that they feel you know me I'm who I am because all of the things that I have saw in my life and experience made me the person that I am today so that would be totally different than my brother who have the same mother and father but his experiences don't make him see the world the way I do. So speaking of that, your 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 relationship with your mom is really special. She was in the documentary yeah. and she had uh, been in a situation, for those who didn't watch it, I'll have you explain it, where her and her brother had a very uh, tumultuous relationship and then she ended up killing him and you were there. Standing right on her side. Can you explain just for the people who are listening, Just that's just one of the, One many, of the many things that happened shocking in the stories yeah. in the documentary yeah uh well it, it you know we we tried to uh, explain how uh, my uncle was a drunk and he was out of control one night and um mom had uh he was stabbing his wife when we came in with me and my mom came in and uh my mom ran in and broke it up and uh was banding was banding banding band-aiding <laughs> uh his wife up and um he pulled out the butcher knife as if he was going to stab my mom and um uh, mom just let loose and shot him and uh my uncle fell on the floor and he he had become because we were living with them um he had become almost like a father figure to me so it was a hard one for me because this was my mom and this is my uncle it's like Damn. And he'd hit her in the face with like a, a broomstick or something yeah, like that and knocked out. Yeah. yeah. And so how old were you when she killed him? 3. 
And so how did that, I mean, because they say between yeah. one, two, and three is the most impactful on a kid's life during development stages. How do you think that that impacted your thought process growing up well, as a kid? Well, well, you know what? That that has probably affected me in ways that even I didn't even understand because um, it has been plenty of times where I had to make a call if somebody live or die. Hmm. And I always err on the side of live because I understood from a very young age that once you're dead, you don't come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that me feeling the way that I felt had a lot to do with me stepping in the middle of two people that um, sometimes I had nothing to do with, none of my business, you know, but I was able to step in and, and um, save somebody. And I, I don't think you get to see that a lot. When you look at this game, especially the drug game, you look at the people that run these uh, these enterprises, I would say, they always looked at as ruthless people, you know, heartless people, Absolutely. soulless people. Um, can you speak to the other side of that? Because, you know, hearing your story, there's I mean, a lot of times you have stepped in and was like, let's go about it a different way. Absolutely. I mean, most and most do. You know, they only I mean, I mean, when you sell drugs, you have been demonized in a way that they demonize nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, even guys who go out and and, and shoot four or five people they don't demonize them the way they did drug dealers and I believe that they did that um, because they wanted to incarcerate a great number of black men and they didn't want a great outcry so what do you do you come in with entrepreneurship disguised as drugs but they see it as entrepreneurship a way to express themselves Mm -hmm. a way to uh, uh move on a system that won't let you move a system that's trying to hold you back where cops is putting you on the ground handcuffing you lying on you so when you're dealing with all that and then you get an opportunity to go against that you're gonna take that opportunity and and you're gonna thrive at it the best you can because this is all you got do you feel like having um somewhat of a conscious or giving mercy in that game is dangerous you know Give mercy. Be, who, give mercy to it who? It can be. It can be. Key, just, it can be seen. The, it can be seen as weak. No, to his competitors. Just, your oh, competitors. Oh. Just yeah, the way or, you know, or somebody who betrays no, you. Yeah, you got to make certain decisions. Yeah, just, you know, just anybody in general. Exactly. You know, if some some could happen, somebody could say something to you, and and it's all on how you handle it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's it's people that done said something to somebody and got killed behind it. You know what I'm saying. So so it, it's it's really easy to. Let something pass, and then people perceive that as weakness. But see, the way I operate, I operate from a position of power. Mm. So when I come in, I already know I got the power, and I don't care what you say. Because if I pull this stick out my back pocket, somebody's going to be in trouble. And I try not to never pull that stick out. Because I got the power. I don't already line myself up in a position to where I can attack if I need to. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to. So when you look at people like Big Meech and, you know, you having similar paths, similar, similar paths, what do you think? Is there a lot of similarities or are there distinct differences between you and his legacy and what you both were involved with in the streets? Well, you know, shout out to Meech. That's my man. You know, we wrote when he was in prison. Uh, I gave him a little advice on his case and work with his girl um, right now. Um, Sabrina, we're doing big things together. Um, I don't really know his story, right? I just know what I heard, the big cars. Yeah. So I work different than that. 
see, I work for businesses that's going to buy me the big car. See, I, I took my money and I went and bought a business and I said, I'm going to let the business buy that car that I want. So I'll be here. They call it money laundering is what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> that part. Yeah, but that's what I was doing. I was buying businesses, motels. I was 20, 21, 22 years old. I bought my first motel, built it from the ground up, had no, no idea about how to build. You know what I'm saying? I just was standing. My mom had kicked me out the house. I was standing in motels. I said, man. And it seemed like can't it, be that hard. You was, it seemed like you was investing in some music too. It said, uh, you know, you was helping out with Anita Baker in her first album. I should have been the king of hip hop. That was crazy. I slipped on. I don't have so many opportunities, man. I don't even, you know, I just see the, the documentary the other day about uh, the God, the Black Godfather. Yeah. And my boy used to bodyguard him. He said, "Man, come meet my man. Man, he just like you." <laughs> and uh, it was Clarence Avon, and, and I never went. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I always felt that um, I done made a lot of mistakes, though, you know, that that could have just, you know, DJ Pooh put me up on hip hop and I didn't I didn't capitalize on that. Dr. Dre was in the house when I went over there that day. What was it? When, that, so when you go to prison, this is a question I have. When a person who has made or has been estimated worth a billion dollars goes to prison and has had all this cash and all this money and properties and this and that, I, I'm, it's hard for me to believe that when they go to prison, it's all just gone. Like there has to be a piggy bank buried somewhere in a coffin with at least three million. Uh, oh, yeah, you didn't, well, yeah. You know, you know, people looking to dig it up. <laughs> so They hunting. Hey, they hunting for the cash. Are, they, are, they stu- <laughs> are people still looking for it? Does it all just go away? <laughs> Basically, I need a loan. Do you have any of the money left? Well, well you know what, though? Yeah. yeah. You know what mom always say, a fool and their money will soon depart. So if, if you don't really know what you're doing with money, which most of us don't, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? We don't know how to invest our money. We, we take our money and we buy things that um, don't hold its value, you know, things that lose its value as soon as we walk out the store with it. Uh, but but I, had, I had mostly property when, when, when I went to jail. Uh, I was taking my money buying houses. I used to fix up houses, and I had a theater. I was trying to open up um, a youth center. It was going to be a theater, youth center, um, club all in one. Um, I lost that, uh, lost a lot of my property. Uh, But those things weren't what really came out to be valuable to me. Mm -hmm. My thinking was what was valuable to me, the Mm -hmm. way I think. See, I can take any situation and I can flip it. Like, I was sitting in prison, right? And I'm like, wow, how you get here? And then it came to me that I worked my way in. Like, if you went to the prison right now and you knocked on the door and you say, hey, I'm trying to get in there. I, I want to go to, fool, get out of here. We're going to call the police on <laughs> That's you. That's a door I will never knock on. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. You, you have to earn it, though. That's interesting. See, I've never heard it that way. You couldn't get in there because you got to earn it. See, I actually earned my bid. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there and I was like, well, if you earn your way in, I wonder if you can earn your way out. Mm. And I went to work. So, okay, so I want to just switch gears really quick to the government because I know you're very interested in the government stuff that's happened in the world. We look at Trump and everybody now is focused on how bad the government could be because you can actually see it. Whereas behind the scenes back during the Reagan era, it looked like the government and Oliver North and all those people were really invested in cocaine coming into the into our country. Would well, that be accurate? That's accurate. Reagan was a city. It was insidious. He was like evil. So how is it that? But yeah, but then on the outside, were you 
how what was your experience like while you're in it and the drugs are coming in and you know who's behind it and then on television I didn't know who was behind I was like, it. I think the CIA gonna tell me that who they behind. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. I was I was gonna ask you that. Like like how aware were you of uh, not at all zero zero. You had no idea that this was the CIA's way. I was I was 19 years old. Okay, so th- I didn't even know that there was a CIA. Gotcha. Okay. I, only thing I knew was LAPD and Cher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that make that makes sense. Okay, so you'd already started in the drug game. You were, you know, making you make you were making some money and then Blandone comes into your life. Yeah. How for people who haven't seen the documentary, he created like the supply that mm-hmm. led to he gave me the numbers yeah the numbers of, of kilos in the pharmaceutical company in the, <laughs> he was the um, he, what was he, what was what was it he called was Kaiser Permanente I was <laughs> <laughs> he was the supply chain <laughs> exactly. that's the word supply chain and you said something really interesting <laughs> in the documentary you said like you know I couldn't keep up with the supply and they were like no you couldn't keep up with the demand no you were like I couldn't keep up with the supply this guy had just truckloads of cocaine coming in how did you how did he cross your path like how that inevitable meeting maybe, maybe at yeah, hookah they find you. you you can go hookah. to hookah somebody will slide up into how did he, <laughs> somebody <laughs> dropped a credit card in front of me at hookah the other day and I was like I'm he not a scammer anymore don't even try it <laughs> that credit card but how did he I had a know friend that, you that were was gonna, a, that could, was a, a teacher at mm-hmm. Venice Skill Center right and um, he knew he, he knew the guy that knew the guy Knew the guy. That okay. Knew the guy. Okay. I, I I have to go through a few hoops. It wasn't like you know. It wasn't you just, easy. You just walk through the uh, through the thing, and and um, you know, I had to be diligent. Right. You know, I wanted to get to the top. Right. Okay. I, I wanted to be number. You one. were trying to cut out. You were trying to cut everybody, out all the middlemen. Everybody okay. that, that that needed that had too much fat on them, get rid of. Them. Right. Gotcha. But when some but when somebody's pulling up to the crib and they have bricks and bricks and bricks and bricks, don't you stop and go? Where the fuck is all this coming from? Nope. Why? Why ask? That's pointless questions to ask. Yeah, yeah he yeah. gonna be like, man, you ask, you talking yeah, you too, talk much. too much, really? Yeah. What so else you wanna know? You wanna know my mama name? <laughs> <laughs> who and, you work with? And, then he gonna be asking you who you work with, <laughs> right? And so, were you ever afraid of getting killed? <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. I mean, it's dangerous. You know, you walk around South Central LA with three million dollars in duffel bags. Damn. You you, you were the first money team. You 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 Shout will be Floyd. you will be a target. Yeah. Not I wasn't I wasn't paralyzed though. I mean. <laughs> Of uh, 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 being conscious and paralyzed is two different things. In the money, no, paralyzed to where you won't move. You know, you mm-hmm. won't go nowhere. You, you know, you just take it and and you try to grab the money and and, and run. I, I stayed in, I stayed in L.A. all the time. Was there, was there ever a point though when you said this is okay? I have enough. Like, what was the number that would be enough? Well, I, I quit selling drugs a year and a half before I eventually got arrested. Uh, but you know, with the feds, they got seven years to mm-hmm. to go back in, into your into your past and, and and arrest you. At that point, had you you know gotten wind that they were on you know that they were on to you and you'd moved on to Ohio? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, no. I moved on from the sheriffs. You know, right. I had they they created that freeway Rick task yes, force. Yes, yeah. I was going to start ask stealing you about money that. and planting drugs. Ooh, they were you in the head. Yeah, yeah, See, yeah. See, without them, my, my skin might be pretty as yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but you ain't putting these big old hickeys on my head. Oh my God. <laughs> but you have to have a certain air of confidence about yourself. You know, even though you were saying you were illiterate, there, to, to do what you were doing at that, that magnitude and to move through all those avenues, you had to have some kind of confidence. Oh, no question. No where, question. Where does that come from? I was good with the homies. 
all the homies like me because I ain't never stole from them one. I ain't messed with this girl. You know what I'm saying? I didn't gangbang. So that's where it came from. Just you always had that individuality about yourself, and everybody respected it. Everybody respects respect. I mean, I don't care who it is. So they you respect, gave a respect. lot of respect. So therefore, you get a lot because I can imagine you growing up in the ranks and doing what you're doing. You there has to be a hater somewhere. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? You, you get haters all the time. But yeah, haters, probably a hater in this room. Shit, I look the way Alyssa looking at me. I mean, but you still haters gotta, everywhere. You know, you still gotta, you still gotta like do your thing, no matter what mm-hmm. they feelings are. You can't let their feelings control your feelings, and and that's you know when I got to prison and I started reading all these books and I started to see that I had certain qualities that that I was using that I didn't really even understand how mm-hmm. I was using them, and I'm like, man, this. This shit is magic. Think, think, yeah. think you know what I'm saying? Think, you think have, and Grow Rich is oh, one of your yes. favorite ones. Yes. Yeah. Because you have to be some level <laughs> poised. How you know? Uh, that and um, how is it had the, um, I'm trying to remember the, th- the three books that are, As a Man Thinketh. As a Man Thinketh. One of the simplest yet hardest books to ever read because you just get stopped. You can't stop reading it. Exactly. You can't stop. Exactly. Exactly. It's like infinity. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so speaking of haters, you've been very vocal about Rick Ross, uh, the rapper Rick Ross, not the Rick Ross. William, I don't talk about William Leonard Roberts. Yeah, I don't the talk second. about Rick Ross. But I mean, in the documentary, he comes up more than one time. I mean, you're pursuing, you're, you want to be vindicated. You wanted to be vindicated in the courts. And I think in there, the, you, what he, you, you are, kept losing your lawsuits due to technicalities. They had referred to Rick Ross yeah. as a, um, not when you're in a, a correctional officer. That's true. <laughs> you brought up his, his um, career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think it's a disrespect to your legacy being that what you are, who you are, and what you represented to the streets? And to the street culture, that it was sort of like it was disrespectful. He was suing him for no, ten million in damages. I don't. You know what? I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna be straight up. I appreciate the brother. Why? The brother made me go crazy on the internet. Every time one of his records drop, they go to looking for me. Who was who the real one? Where you get his name from? Mm-hmm. So when I make this billion dollars I'm getting ready to make in this cannabis industry, I'm going to tell him thank you. Matter of fact, I might buy his contract. <laughs> I, mean, you, 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 they, I might give him a real contract. They called it a case of identity theft. I've been a victim of identity theft on a much lower scale. Well, it is identity theft for real. But I'm just saying I ain't tripping. So I was just good. doing it for the money then. Okay. I, he, they, the lawyer said, hey, man, that dude in Universal owed you like 50 million. I said, what? Go get it. Oh. <laughs> so it wasn't originally even your idea. No, no, Somebody no, came no. to you and was like, well, you're right. Do that. Yeah, why not? How much, yeah. how much is it going to cost me? Because I ain't got no money. I'm trying to save my mama's house right now. And he was like, it ain't going to cost you nothing, man. Well, it ended up costing it you did. something. It you had five hundred thousand dollars in his four hundred and ninety. No, now 000. it's a million dollars. I'm oh. gonna pay him though. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna give him to him in all quarters. So you don't have a personal. You don't have a personal issue with the rapper Rick Ross. No, I asked the man to work with me. I was like, come on, man, let me show you how to really be big. But he didn't mm-hmm. even want to acknowledge your existence in, in court. Wouldn't he, shake your he hand. Said, wouldn't look at you. He act wrote like he never heard of heard he wrote his Rick eyes. Ross. Who? Maybe he was he tired. He was in the process of losing weight. Rick Ross was working out every day. He was probably tired. 
Did you hear the excuse? He did, you, did you hear the excuse he gave as to how he came up with the name Rick Ross? That was a good one. Somebody accident. He used to be called Big Boss, and somebody <laughs> actually, like you know, mistakenly thought Big Boss Rick Ross, and he was like, "Oh, I like that." Rihanna name. has a friend named Melissa Ford. No, but that's her government. And we we're don't probably, know. I don't know what government. We talking about Reagan. We talking about who? No government name. I don't know that it is and the you government know what? name. Since we're all from Barbados, we're possibly related. Mm, I thought you wow. was from Toronto. I, I pick a country. My ancestry, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Shit. Another, another motherfucker go to ancestry.com and get brand new. I don't okay. have to. My father was from Barbados. Okay. My family's oh from my Barbados. So, so so if you ran into Rick Ross today, it's cool. You would ask him to come and work for you and the new cannabis industry. No, I would tell him that he really want to make some real money. Mm-hmm. Since we gonna have real paper money, twenties, fifties, and hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think that'd be good to see y'all two come together, though. Even if it's not this year, next down the line, I think it'd be good for the culture because both of y'all doing well, you know we doing an album together me uh freeway rich from kansas city mm-hmm. freeway from philly and freeway boys from cincinnati i hope he maybe maybe he want to be a part of it but wait, they, they all, we all getting together wait, so wait that's a call rick ross you've been called out by rick ross to be on an album <laughs> <laughs> i didn't call him out i just said <laughs> you know <laughs> Okay, but, but wait. It'll be good to see. He could, he could get on there if he wanted to. I did want to ask you, Freeway from Philly, is that is, is his moniker based on you as well? Yeah. Christ Shout Almighty. Out to Freeway. Yeah, you motherfucking legend. Okay, so let me ask you this. Um, 50 Cent and you. I, there was a conversation you guys were having uh, during the documentary. Yeah. Y'all so cool? I mean, you, I mean, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm just different. Did man. he put a battery in your back over this Rick Ross thing? Because they, he clearly, they, no, they had no, their no. beef. Uh, I mean, they tried to him and yeah. Floyd. Yeah, you know, Floyd played me. You know, come and pick me up in the car, and they do the video and <laughs> and the whole nine yards. And I'm thinking, like, damn, Floyd gonna let me in the boxing game. <laughs> <laughs> but they were talking about getting into business in the boxing at some point, and then there was a fallout. I don't know the history. What what happened? Nothing. We just he just never, you know. He told me you don't take nobody to the to the plug. And I said, okay. You, I thought I was the plug. <laughs> <laughs> that part. And so, okay. So, in the going back to the documentary, you talked a lot about your children and how you know you seem to have a lot of emotional, um, just a lot of emotional memories on their upbringing. Where is your relationship with them now? What have they learned to understand about their father's journey? Getting the weed business with me. <laughs> That's great. They all getting in. I'm helping them get licensed because none of them have conviction. Well, two of them do have conviction, but the rest of them don't. So mm-hmm. uh, we all getting licenses. I'm showing them how to get their license in the weed business so they don't have to work so hard. That's what so I so what what game from the crack game are you going to apply to the weed game? Because now it's just a massive legal thing. Everything, man. Everything. And, you know, I mean. What I'm seeing right now in this weed business, they got all of these people with these private companies and people putting their money in these private companies. I'm like, they finna lose their pants off. Mm-hmm. They got these guys don't know nothing about marijuana, trying to sell marijuana. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm starting my own brands, my own lines. Um, matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to have a podcast on weed <laughs> just where I talk my expertise on weed. Uh, I'm negotiating right now in four markets big markets that uh, one of them they say could be worth $2 billion mm-hmm. in itself uh, and that's not talking about LA uh, I've been helping push the social equity uh, program here in LA for blacks and Hispanics where um, when they gave out the first round of licenses they gave out 100 and I think 90 licenses and only two blacks uh, yep. had, had a license so we, we, uh, 
we went on City Hall. That's and fucked up. No, that's real. Was able to uh, lobby them into giving 250 licenses now to blacks and Hispanics called social equity. Um, Doing yeah. the Lord's work. Yeah. Just listen, don't talk. Don't, I'm going to trademark my <laughs> slogan because I get blamed for all the good that I'm out here doing in these streets. Okay, so there was a reporter that in the documentary, he said that um, when you all started, when the crack started selling in black communities, um, it was easier because it wasn't police and nobody cared if black people started killing themselves. Do you think anything has changed now with how the black communities are viewed, you know, all across the country, Baltimore, Philly? D.C., mm-hmm. L.A. Well, well, black communities right now are, are really hurting. You know, uh, the job, uh, even though they say the overall unemployment rate may be, may be down, I know in my communities, and, and I travel the country, you know, in all the ghettos, and I know all across the country, we got people sleeping in cardboard boxes. You know, our homeless population has grown tremendously um, in the past couple of years. So when I look at that, uh, that tells me that, not is it like it was, but it may be worse than what it was. Um, about six months ago, I had uh, read an article, and they were saying that in 20 years, black people will be totally broke. And, and they wasn't talking about the the Oprah Winfrey's and the, mm-hmm. you know, Tyler Perry's yeah. and the Tyler Perry's. They talking about as a whole, you know, because they won't even be conceived as black no more. You know, they'll be wealthy enough so they don't have to count. They don't even count them. But they're saying that us as a group, that if we don't get smart and learn how to play the economic game, that we're we going to be out of it. You know, and when I look at South Central L.A. right now that used to be owned by blacks, we don't own nothing over there. No, no. go to Brooklyn. It's, it's, all, it's all New York. It's gentrification is all through New York, too. Yeah. And yeah. so and so now I know you do a lot with young kids and you specifically young men of color. You, you've, you've gone and you've done a lot of talking to them in juvenile halls and in youth centers and you started a youth center. Do you what is your message to them now being able to look back on and reflect where you were and where maybe some of them are on how they want to come up? Because now it's popular culture, Instagram all yeah. day long. People want that fast money. What is your message to them now on what you've learned over the your journey? Well, the first thing is that, that we have to let these people know that they are special, you know, that you are somebody no matter what your economic um, situation may be or your educational level may be. You're still somebody. And you can start to turn that around as soon as you start to want it turned around, you know, uh, um, because usually we're in the positions because of our actions. You know, uh, uh, I was telling my guys a couple of nights ago, we were sitting out talking and I was telling them that I'm a systematic person. You know, I have systems that I put in place Mm -hmm. for everything that I do. You know, like a lot of people, they don't really understand my madness. Like, I got these corporate people now in in my mix, and they they say, you much more organized. And I'll be like, fool, I predicted this 15 years ago. (laughs) I knew this was going to happen. And just because you don't see how I do it don't mean that it ain't right. You have a method to your madness. I have a method to my madness. Okay. What is the message to the system that you that may still be oppressing a young, you know, uh, wishful, thoughtful, young person of color who has a dream, whether it's tennis, whether it's astronomy or anything else? Like, how do you what is your message to the system as if they're going to listen on, on allowing uh, the gateway to be open for all people equally? Well, this system is not built for entrepreneurs. 
You know, they exactly. want people closer to slaves than mm-hmm. they do entrepreneurs. That's why they'll put you on a, on a time slot. They'll give you a check. My man call them uh, uh, gold cufflinks. I mean, gold handcuffs mm-hmm. because they handcuff you to a, a job or a situation so that you can't move. You have to stay there, and, and you are voluntarily and like so even the prison guards. You know, uh, uh, I used to feel sorry for some of them because they're still doing time. You know, even after I got out, he had to go back the next day and turn himself in. So mm. he turned himself in every day, every day. He get to turn himself in, go home for a little while, and come back. So these are people that have tied themselves to jobs, and they're not free in order to pursue their dreams or their aspirations. How do you teach that mindset, though? Because, you know, you have to somewhat be an entrepreneur to influence another entrepreneur a lot of times. I mean, some people can come up with that mind state, you know, on their own, like, you know, how Jason's done it, have you done it. But me coming up, I didn't know any other way. I watched my people I looked up to, parents, uncles, neighbors, they go to a job every day. That's all I've seen. So what can we do to change that mindset because, you know, it's it's ugly to see that our future black people will be poor because mm-hmm. we're not adopting those qualities. You know, what, what can we do? Well, well I think we're getting we getting more people that's, that's starting to be entrepreneurs, that's starting to want to be independent. You know, a lot of the rappers talked about independency mm-hmm. because I really didn't know about independency either. But I had never functioned inside of the system. So so uh, um, I was always really independent on my own because I had my own money. They didn't front me my drugs. Mm-hmm. I bought my drugs. With, yeah. You know, I started with $125 and I worked my way up to $3 million. They they wasn't fronting me. Like some guys that I knew, they got lucky and they met guys that just would give them, a, you know, three or 400 keys. He'd take it, just go and, and do your three thing. Three or 400 kilos? <clears throat> yeah. God, that's a different time. <laughs> different time. I mean, for real. Bring that back. Yeah. One thing. I, one thing I did want to ask you was uh, your meeting with Eric Sterling. What was that like? I mean, this is a guy who contributed to the sentencing laws. You know, the 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 dis, the, uh, the sentencing guidelines that uh, created like a hundred and one disparity, like between powder and crack yeah, cocaine. Yeah, that was that Which, was crazy. To, to, he to, seemed so remorseful. He did. He did. And and I was glad that I, I was shocked that he took the interview first of all. Yeah. You know, I didn't think that he would do it. Mm-hmm. And after he was so truthful and, and and straightforward, you know, he said, "Well, when I was writing this law for the Senate, uh I knew it was racially motivated." And my jaw was in my lap when I was watching that part. Yeah. And yeah. I, I I would A think, lot of people didn't catch that. I would think that I would think that he would be terrified to say something like that out loud and on record. I mean, and what I wanted to ask you as well is, do you think that so there's this journalist named Gary Webb who wrote this article called Dark Alliance that really draws the connection between um, laundering narcotics uh, to support the Contras efforts in the war in Nicaragua, civil war in Nicaragua, et cetera. Gary et cetera. was an incredible reporter. In- incredible. And they completely decimated his reputation. Yeah. Do you? And so it was thought that he committed suicide. Do you believe that it, that he did? Well, well, you know... <laughs> He, they, they say he shot himself in the head twice. How do you shoot yourself in the head twice, though? Well, maybe he killed himself the same way Gary Epstein did. Uh, uh, yeah, no, Jerry. Jerry, Gary, yeah. the nigga's Jerry. dead, whatever his name is. <laughs> may, oh. he, may that bitch rest in peace. Oh, no, I'll, I'm, I'll go on record. The, the Clintons were behind that, but go on. Oof. Okay, listen, hold on, hold on. 
Bill and Hillary. Don't bring that <laughs> shit over here. <laughs> she ain't even from this country. Send her ass back. <laughs> well, listen, oh, let's get into your two don't, books. Don't let Donald Trump hear you say that. Hey, listen, delete that. <laughs> leave, leave that orange motherfucker alone. Donald Trump was like, I no, don't because know him. The, because the scariest part about watching this documentary is that we all literally just think we out here living our lives every day. And there, there are... There are so many other influences and controls mm-hmm. behind the scenes of how each of us chess pieces on the board are being played. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, when it comes to people of color, once they're done, I mean, it's like you're washed and we move on to the next scam. Lock yeah. you up. Yeah. yeah. We're going to lock you up for the crime you commit. Listen, my brother, my brother who's dead, we're, I'm now on Love and Hip Hop this season. We're following the story of my brother who died. He was selling crack in, the, in our community. But it, it was interesting in watching your documentary because for me i'm trying to humanize who he was and how important he was to me our family our community he was a great person i do think when you're selling drugs you are villainized and i mean there's a story behind each person on how they got there but i remember he used to have this caprice classic and he was the baller and i was young and i was like damn i'm going to i'm in high school 15 16 years old i want to get out of school just make money and i said to him yo i need to make money so put me into this whole crack selling thing let me tell you something. He put me out there one day with an eight ball, and that was the last time I sold crack. I got chased by the police, hit in the garbage can. I was out negotiating with crackheads, the price of crack. I got a, yeah, I got Came back, story. the eight ball was gone, the money was gone, <laughs> shit was funny. He was like, nigga, you're going to college, and he put me in school. Way, this shit ain't for you. It's way harder than they make it seem, right? Listen, it ain't even about Bruh. being hard. You, that's why it goes back to... His your work ethic and your <laughs> brilliance. Wait, he had a job. I think you would have been exceptional at. What? This is when you were a teenager talking shit. No, besides that, <laughs> as a teenager, you were you were a timekeeper for pimps on the host role, knocking on motel doors to hurry the tricks along. Yep. I think you would have oh, been amazing I was a great timekeeper. Whole time is up. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap it up in there. But, go, every, but, but everybody should watch this documentary. Uh, it was definitely time well spent. And I really think it's, when you look at the the politics of it all, mm-hmm. the, the effects of cr- drugs in our community and how we play a part on both sides, the part of pushing them, the part of going back and reconciling our relationship with our community and helping people. I think the relationship with your mom was really special and just uh, being able to be so brilliant in a lot of shit that was probably destructive, but also be able to, I think, have sanity and a heart all the way through it. It's it's an amazing documentary. I enjoyed it. Um, Two books that you have. uh, Let's talk about those really quick. Your your website, FreewayRicky.com. We're going to put that on the screen. FreewayRickyRoss. FreewayRickyRoss.com. Okay. I'm never going to call him Ricky by itself. Ricky Ross, Rick Ross. And when we interview Rick Ross, I'm going to be like, nigga. Do you still still have those t-shirts? Yes, I still got my t-shirts. Okay. Okay. Because the real Rick Ross is not Not a a rapper. rapper. I'm a size small. I got you. I got you. Stop asking for free shit and go support. I want the t-shirt. All right, so the two books. Let's talk about the two books on the website. You're right. I will buy it off the website. Well, I I, I wrote the first one while I was in prison with a life sentence, and I was sitting in prison, and I was like, wow, you ain't never going home. What about the young brothers out there? What they going to do? What if they had all the stuff in your head right now, all the stuff that you've been through? If they had that to work with, to start from, 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 from start, they got that as a map to guide them. How would that help them? And I just started writing. And uh, that book came out. And that book, which book is that one? Freeway Ricky Ross, Untold Autobiography. And then The 21 <clears throat> Keys of Success. Talk about that book. The 21 Keys of Success came about by a guy by the name of Coley Crutcher. He's my co-writer. And uh, 
he was doing a magazine called Get Money. So when I was getting ready to get out, about six or seven months before I got ready to get out, he hit me. He was like, man, I want to put you on the cover of my magazine. I was like, all right, we can do it. And then we just started communicating through the through the mail. And uh, I was like, you an entrepreneur, and you ain't read Richest Man in Babylon, Think Grow Rich, and the rich, uh, and As a Man Think? And he's like, no. Nah. I was like, well, you ain't no real entrepreneur, partner. You better get on your game, start studying. Because really what I did when I was in prison is, mm-hmm. is I was kind of like a, a coach, a mentor. You know, I used to do like 75 letters, 100 letters a week. Um, For other prisoners? No, no, for no. people, just people, for people write me. Okay, okay. You'd you would literally, you would, you would write them back. Yeah, yeah, I was helping people. I started, he had some time on his hands. I started, I started getting, you know, they, people just, just start sending me money, everything. Mm. Um, okay. Now I need to get to a point where I just can't avoid people sending me money. So, so, <laughs> so when I get out, I go to New York and we, and we, we kick it, we do the, we do the photo shoot and he's like, man, I want to kick it with you some more. Uh, um, can I come to LA and hang out with you? So he come out to LA and this is during the time when I'm meeting everybody for the first time, you know, all the big Hollywood producers and just everybody. And one day I'm looking, I was like, man, you always writing on that pad. What you been doing? He's like, man, I've been keeping notes. I said, Cody, you've been keeping notes for the past six months. He said, yeah. I said, man, that's a book. And that's how I came. And that's how I came about? That's how I came about. So but let me ask one more question because we got to get out of here. Kim Kardashian, she's really big on prison reform right now. And she's out in the streets getting people out left and right. Do you think that that's real or do you think that that's all politics too? It don't matter. She's doing a good job. Um, I think what she's doing is wonderful. <clears throat> you know, really with with, with um, people going to prison, a person can change in, in, in one minute. So sometimes, um, you know, they're giving people too much time. Like the lady that, that Kim got out that had a life sentence, and I think she was just like a mule for somebody, you know, just mm. the middle person. They say, here, take this bag, get on the plane with it. And they get on the plane, they carry the bag, and then she get caught, and they give her a life sentence because she didn't even know what was in the bag. Mm-hmm. So um, I think what Kim is doing is good. Um, I think more people need to find causes to 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 stand up for and, and you know, not just – flash they will you know how much money i got how many bugattis I, I got i mean you know right now i look at at us you know with as many uh supposed to be billionaires we don't have no no job development centers in no major city that somebody from our community built you know who made it could say you know here i, I built the center this is for the people who were less fortunate even though i mean it is it's nobody right now that's on top that didn't climb there off of black people's back Mm -hmm. so we help you get there so don't get there and then get uh you know whitewashed or whatever they call it or complacent with your responsibility so what what the lastly i will give you the last word what what are you what are what do you want people to know about you and all that you've been through and all the who, who you are what do you want people to know Mm, man i don't know shoot i don't i don't know um i ain't gonna quit you know what I'm saying? That's what my mama said in the documentary. Oh, he ain't quitting. <laughs> you might knock him out, but he ain't gonna quit. Wait, so, where, where's the biopic? Where, where's the big the movie. Hollywood movie with Jamie Foxx playing you or Nick <laughs> Cannon playing you? Like, where's John the- Singleton stole the TV series? Oh, I was going to ask you about Snowfall. May he rest in peace too. <laughs> so when somebody dies, do you get it back or what? Ha- oh, Lord.
word, guys. I, I wanted to ask you about Snowfall. How you started felt about with Whitney it Houston? And it now. just seems like a direct correlation to your story. Yeah, yeah, John, 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 John. <laughs> <laughs> um, Can't speak. He didn't consult dead. with you at all about this storyline. About doing my movie, he consulted with me. And we were was, was talking about him shooting my movie, and he bought one of the first books, and mm-hmm. and a couple months later, a show's coming out. Yeah, we 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 was in in negotiation with the Weinstein's about a TV series. Damn. And then they came out of the back with the article in the uh, Variety. Uh, John Singleton just got funded for Snowfall, so they closed the book. And said, but say, what happened with the John Cassavetti script? Like, what is that? Just like, did you use it for toilet paper? Like, where'd that go? Eventually, that's what. <laughs> that was that's expensive there. toilet paper. It's still there. Um, <laughs> you know, Reginald Hutland took over. Okay. So Reggie running it now. Reggie's um, dope. Yeah, Reggie's dope. They yeah. had Kush. Kush wrote a script. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we're 30 pages short. They okay. they fighting over 30 pages right now. Well, at least somebody's fighting over it. That's <laughs> the awesome. The first 70, though, is is everybody says kill. Well, okay. we ain't well, we ain't got to fight over John Singleton because he's dead. May he rest in peace. But wait, I just have to ask. Okay. If somebody's playing you in your biopic, like in, in, it, in its perfect world. Would Rick would- Ross have a shot? <laughs> he's a little no. he's already heavy. playing him he's a little too heavy you know no, who, Rick who Ross would, is skinnier now love right now who, who if he played my role the movie breaks all records who Childish Gambino you think so yes I didn't see that one I didn't yes. see that coming well, I'm just glad he didn't say Michael B. Jordan. He can't play every black figure in the world. <laughs> Chadwick Boseman plays every black figure in the world. But well, he would be great. Chad okay, well, listen, we'll quand it forever, but this interview can't go forever. Thank you so much. We're going to wear these sweaters next. Order the sweaters for all of us, okay? Thank you for doing the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And Thank we're you. out. Peace. Bye, everybody.